0: Hello friends and welcome back to Ghoul's Night in the spooky chat show with your best ghoul cool friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. When I was thinking about what we could talk about uh, to follow up the Halloween, Halloween holiday, I just felt like we had to go back to some crazy Victorian action. Oh, absolutely. I wish you would. <laughs> Wish you would. So, Midge, have you have you ever wanted to see a picture of a dead body? Oh, I,
1: I, and I have.
0: <laughs> you have. I, uh, I know where this is going. <laughs> um, so this is this is probably not something uh, that most of our modern audiences uh, have have craved or longed for. Um, but back in the day, people sure did love to take these photos. Um, so today we are talking about post mortem photography. Huzzah huzzah uh so a big part of the inspiration um for this episode is a book called beyond the dark veil um that a lovely friend um, picked up for me uh for my birthday i love all of my friends who give me spooky books for my birthday wink wink me yeah me included (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you included, um, which uh, this is a really lovely book um, that is a big collection of post-mortem images, along with essays about kind of the meaning and history of the photographs. And then I also did, you know, some of my usual online digging. Um, so let's get into it. Um, in order to have post-mortem photography, uh, photography has to have been invented.
1: Val, I thought you were going to say you need mortem. <laughs> well that also (laughs) but we we always had that yes Uh, but we did not have photography the whole
0: time (laughs) an excellent point uh so i'm 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 just gonna be i'm gonna be vulnerable with you guys for a minute um and say that i have been to historic photography exhibits where they like explain the process um i read a bunch of stuff in preparation for this episode and my, my brain does not want to understand any of how photography works. Oh, uh, So yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to do my best uh, to kind of give you guys a rundown. <laughs> uh, so first, um, there is something that we called camera obscura. Um, and this is based on the natural concept that apparently, if you shine light through a tiny hole, it reproduces the things on to the other side upside down um because of how light works yep (laughs) i guess um so the term camera obscura was first printed in 1604 um, but there are processes, there are descriptions of people using this all the way back to a chinese text from fifth century bc um so this has been around for a long time but eventually people were like oh what if we added a mirror and we like used a spectacle lens to sharpen the image um, and that let people reflect the image down onto a piece of paper um, where they would then trace the image to create like a super realistic sketch. Yes. Uh, so these kind of camera obscuras were in use uh, by artists in the 18th century and people were like this is bitchin' but <laughs> what if instead of me tracing the image there was a chemical way to capture it and it would automatically transfer the image. Uh, So lots of different people were working on various forms of this in, like, the early 19th century. Uh, But the guy who brought his version to the public um, and gets the credit as the inventor was Louis Daguerre in 1839 with his daguerreotype.
1: Yes.
0: Hell yeah i feel Uh, like i'm
1: like reliving i took a lot of photography classes back in the day and i'm like like wow i did retain some of that somewhere
0: good welcome back yeah (laughs) um so his method involved treating like a polished metal plate and coating it with like light sense of chemical mixture that then captures the image that was reflected onto it. You had to like use like a special fixing agent and you like put it under glass because it was really smudgeable. Um, but there was a lot of innovation and development of this process over the next few years that made it much faster and more affordable. And suddenly photography exists. Boom. Hooray. You might and,
1: say in a flash, it suddenly. Hooray. Oh. You could.
0: You... <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just, it's weird for me to even, like, think about what a paradigm shift this must be. Yeah. Because, like, even even in my lifetime, like, the change from, like, a film camera to, like, instant like phone digital just camera like having seems camera just crazy on us at all
1: times right
0: yeah and, and and that you would have the photo immediately like when i was a kid we had film cameras yeah, and we'll your mom would developed. take pictures and then like six months later when you finally finished a whole roll of film you're like well guess we'll find out if any of these looked okay like, yeah literally the like did that
1: turn out
0: yep and you have your thumb in half of them um <laughs>
1: Well, but, yeah, uh, and I mean, at this point, people are sitting for uh-huh. hours and hours for portraits before. Yes. <laughs> a complete 180.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, before this, if you wanted to have an image of a loved one or yourself, you would need to have a portrait painted. Um, this was obviously something that was really only accessible to the wealthy mm-hmm. um, because who's going to be, be paying that art money? Um, And suddenly this was a new option uh, for so many more people, Um, and since it coincided so neatly uh, with the Victorians and their deep cultural fascination with death, um, it is no surprise the death and photography got all tied together as well. So as we've talked about with, you know, traditions like hair art, um, post photography was really all about memorializing your loved one, um, in a way that was kind of accessible to you at the time. Um, so there had obviously been a really long tradition of having like a miniature painting of like a dead loved one in like a locket or something. Um, photography was more affordable than that. Um, but it was still expensive. So like it's not like people were snapping snapping pictures all over the place yeah. like getting your photo taken was something that was pretty special and that you would really probably only do for like an important occasion like dying i guess <laughs> uh, the most important occasion <laughs> the most important occasion um so you would have a photo then to you know kind of keep in your family album of your deceased loved one and sometimes you didn't get that photo until they were already dead uh so I think a lot of this is like death was so much more like part of your home Mm -hmm. in these days. Like most likely people were dying at home versus, you know, in a hospital, you're generally caring for your dead at home often the funeral ceremonies leading up to burial were held you know in your parlor Mm -hmm. where you had your funerals um so when you're looking at post-mortem photos a lot of them um, do depict the deceased in like a kind of a a final repose in bed or even in the coffin itself um, amongst flowers uh, things like that and it wasn't too long really after the advent of photography that they invented a way to do multiple prints from the photograph. And then obviously, you know, you could provide copies, to family members, you didn't have to have like individual paintings done for everybody. Right. <laughs> and that just made it so much easier. Um, but because this is kind of a dark and macabre thing, uh, there are of course a lot of myths about this on the internet. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. So, the reality of postmortem photography being a thing um, kind of just mixes up people's brains, and there are a lot of like clickbaity articles and things like that yeah. where it's like you won't believe that the people in these pictures are dead. Oh my god! Um, and yeah, that's that's probably because they're they're likely not dead. Um, well, they're dead now, but well, they <laughs> sure. they were not dead <laughs> in that photograph. in that moment, right? Yes and a lot of this really goes back to uh the use of posing stands um Mm -hmm. which are metal stands um that photographers would use um to help people stay still um during photos um but there are a lot of there's a lot of misinformation online where people are like if you see these stands it means they're propping up a corpse (laughs) right (laughs) um
1: yeah people forget that it took like it, it wasn't like a snap photo. Like it wasn't like boom. Yes. Like this was a, a, a laborious process at that time.
0: Still, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I actually have the facts on it. Um, so when the daguerreotype was first invented, it was like a minute and a half exposure, and then by the 1850s, it was down to just like three to eight seconds. Mm-hmm. But that's still a long time to hold completely still. Yeah. Um, I looked at this up and. Apparently, modern digital cameras shoot um, at like one four thousandth of a second. And we still be getting motion blur. I I was going to say, I still take blurry photos. So I still somehow am blurry in these. Uh, So I am not surprised that folks needed some help to hold still and like if you actually look at these stands like they're not like counterweighted in any way like it just doesn't make any sense you could not put like a lifeless Dead, body deadly, on one yeah. and have them stand up right like it just it just would not work um and i did read an atlas Obscura article that was specifically about kind of like myths of post-mortem photography and it was also you know kind of saying like in a lot of these photos like People are making people look kind of stiff or they're making weird faces where people are like, oh, that's a corpse. And it's like this person never had their picture taken (laughs) before. (laughs) Like they don't know what they're doing. Um, I definitely also take weird photos of myself. It reminds
1: me of like in like this my year, parents when you like look so my parents have a lot of home videos of like when camcorders first started out. Oh yeah. And like my grandma didn't understand that it was like a moving picture. So there's a lot of like mm-hmm. awkward videos of them like stiffly standing, like posing, <laughs> like thinking yes. that they're getting their photo taken. It's it's giving that. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, even,
0: even today, how many things, how many, like, little, like, video clips are there of people being like, it's a video, and then suddenly have will like, waves oh, right. Awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just the vibe. Um, and then also, you know, obviously, like, the processing of photos were not necessarily as, like, one-to-one with real life mm-hmm. as a digital camera. So, you know, sometimes, you know, people's eyes look kind of weird, or things didn't fully develop properly and one one thing that i enjoyed was (laughs) this article also blames um the film the haunting in connecticut oh which i did watch last night because they mentioned it in this article um but for those well if you have seen it you probably already know what i'm gonna say Um, and for those who haven't there is a A featured plot point about finding um a bunch of post-mortem photographs okay um because it does take place in a funeral home and they actually like use the photographs is like the intro credits Um, okay and a lot of the photos um that you see in some of these like you know viral roundups are actually photos from this movie and those were not historic photos um those were all done with live models so they are in fact alive even though they're pretending to be dead in the photo so that gives you a little bit of extra confusion of like ooh, how did that work out these people look shockingly alive and it's like well they were alive well well, they are (laughs) Um, (laughs) they were alive apparently um the studio was probably rightfully worried that if they use actual historic photos that people would be like i'm the descendant of that guy and you should pay me for putting this in my, in your movie. And they were like, we don't
1: want to fuck with any of that. Sure. So we're just going to do our own photos. I don't want to like jump ahead of you here, um, mm-hmm. but that kind of brings an interesting, so, you know, I got to go to that haunted America conference and see yeah uh, Amanda Woomer speak about grieving practices. Mm-hmm. And we, she spent a, a good amount of time talking about postmortem and i honestly had questions even just about like especially from a modern lens now because like obviously at the time this was very normal and like that's just what people did um Mm -hmm. if you take off your your 2023 glasses (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but now like through a, a a future lens it's like where does consent fall in that too yeah you know of like this is a photograph of a person's body still and they can't consent to having that photo taken uh i don't know it it poses just like an interesting thing and then yeah if you add like putting someone's photo then in a film it's like Mm -hmm. we're walking some some yeah weird lines there better to just not do it (laughs)
0: yes yeah and and uh no spoilers but the way that they tie into the plot of the film um if it was a photo of my loved one i probably would not be thrilled about it sure. being in this film so it was i i agree that it was the right decision for yeah. them to to do their diy it. D- diy postmortem yeah your postmortem photo Uh, But yeah, like I mentioned, um, a lot of postmortem photos depict someone sleeping or in their coffin. Um, So if you see someone who's dead, they do generally look like they're dead. Um, There are some photos where people um, who have passed are like kind of like propped up or in a more lifelike posture. Um, But those are definitely a little bit less common. Um, And I... I did want to just give like a quick a quick shout out. Something that wasn't, um, I don't think, evil for a full episode. But since we're talking about Victorian photography, I did want to give a shout out to the hidden mothers <laughs> of Victorian photography. Uh, which is something that you do see um, in some post-mortem photography of uh, children or younger, mm-hmm. younger folks. Um, but also of live ones where when people were having a picture of their baby, the mom was like, well, I need to hold the baby. But... I, presumably i don't want to be in the photo or we want the photo of the baby so they'll be like draped in fabric
1: yeah the and like black look,
0: cloaked yeah <laughs> and it, it does it does look very spooky <laughs> um and very weird and i have it does kind of tie back because you do also see people claiming that if you see this it means that the baby in the photo is dead and that is just not like that's not one-to-one yeah, like there no. are some some post-mortem photos but that was just kind of sometimes you just the gotta standard. hold that baby
1: in place. <laughs> you just gotta
0: hold that baby in place, and it's like, how are you gonna make a baby hold still for eight seconds? Like, yeah, <laughs> what are you do You're here? not? <laughs> you're just not. Um, in the U.S., um, there so this was like mostly popular in the U.K. and the U.S. Um, but in the U.S., there was apparently a particular trend for funeral photos at the funeral service. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, with everyone in attendance. Um, And the casket on display, which, like, makes sense from, like, a capturing, you know, an uh, important moment perspective. But some of these photos do just kind of, like, look like a weird, like, birthday party
1: photo. Yeah, they really, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're
0: all like, here we are at Dave's funeral. (laughs) like. (laughs) Which is kind of fab um and just kind of a random side note apparently there was also a major post-mortem photography trend in iceland hmm. um a little bit later than this i i actually um if we have any listeners who are from iceland shout shout out because they seem to have very interesting um death practices and culture hmm. i would love uh, to look into that more and learn a little bit more about it um but Yes, uh postmortem photography faded out of public consciousness. Generally, as photography became something that a regular person could do and you didn't need to have like a photographer for, like it certainly still exists um, that people take photos of mm-hmm. deceased loved ones. Um, but it's not generally shared so openly because like you don't have to have like a photographer <laughs> or anyone else involved. Um, I did read a New York Times article uh, called the iPhone at the deathbed, which I thought I was, was kind of. I was hoping we were going to talk about this. Yes, yes. Um, I I felt like the title seemed kind of like scandalous. Um, but it was actually a pretty nice piece. Um, just talking about postmortem photography as an act of death positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing death. Uh, something natural and kind of the desire to commemorate your loved one um, even in their final final moments or post-final moments Um, and they did um, talk in this specifically about um, an organization um, that is dedicated to connecting volunteer photographers with like uh, parents of stillborn children Mm. and kind of sort of the same kind of concept of victorian postmodern photography where you're like this might be the only this is the only photo we have right um so i think that that makes sense and if that's something um that people find um comforting then they certainly shouldn't you know feel weird or bad about it like it's a perfectly normal thing to want to have
1: yeah i i've I and bringing it back to the same place but um mm-hmm. Amanda again talked about this in her in her speech about um that basically I think believe it she said it was her aunt who was like mm-hmm. uh, when Amanda's brother passed asked if they wanted to take photos and they were all like oh my god no and her aunt was like well would you rather have taken them and not want them or not taken them yeah. and wish you had had them um and so she shared with us that they did end up taking photos like with him at the end and um but i mean if you think about it i even saw one literally this morning um mm-hmm. a, a girl who i went to high school with her mother passed and people that post the photos with their hand in their loved one's hand i feel like i see that yeah. all the time um and i mean that's a version of post-mortem photography and i think yeah people, it is you know forget that there are like we we have adapted a lot of practices in in our own ways now um and we don't think of them as that but it, it, it's what it's based in and i i don't know i think it's i think it's comforting in a lot of ways i think that a lot of it
0: is that obviously today um we most often we 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 actually probably see a lot more um photographs of death, Mm -hmm. um, but they're in very violent um, circumstances or their their crime scene photos, um, obviously war zone photos. Um, And I think that it's kind of nice to reframe that um, in your mind as something that can be, you know, an act of love. And I was, you know, looking through um, Beyond the Veil yesterday, and it definitely felt like very meditative and not like lurid or anything to look at these photos, because they are expressions of, you know, love and care um, for these people.
1: Right, and I mean, my thing has always been at the end of the day, who am I to dictate how someone grieves, right? So like, Mm -hmm. if if that is something that uh, someone finds to be comforting or something that they need in their process, then who are we to tell them otherwise? You know? Yeah, for sure
0: well that is that is my tale of post-mortem photographs um another interesting part of victorian death culture that like you said midge um definitely still exists in its own forms um as part of our culture
1: today um and bring back victorian mourning culture yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i i i do think that we could benefit as a society from a little more reverence around death in a way that's more more public so that we all it's one of the few things we all share right one of the few things we all go through and it's you know i don't know i think it's important i agree
0: all right well a little sorry guys a little bit of a somber episode um but definitely an an interesting topic um If you uh, have enjoyed the episode, uh, we would love to get a review from you. Um, That helps us spread the word about our show and get in touch with more folks. Um, I do believe Midge has one to read today.
1: I sure do. One of our first Apple reviews in a while. Very exciting. And it is from jenny hold on sorry my phone decided to not so there we go jenna (laughs) it's from jenna uh a five-star review titled my tribe my gould i have followed both of you on ig for years as a vintage girl and watched midges show because it's right up my spooky vintage alley how did it take me so long to listen to this you gals are amazing and funny and i am loving it oh thank you thank you jenna glad to have you along for the ride
0: <laughs> come on come on over the water's fine
1: I think we've had a uh, an exciting surge of folks I wore my those crazy Victorians shirt in a recent video and yes. so I think we've had a a fun little surge of people coming over and I've noticed a lot of people buying merch and this is a great yeah. episode to plug that we have right it's true Oh, uh, i was gonna say um since
0: we we mentioned her um in this episode the lovely amanda yes. wore some of our merch for one of her talks which was so delightful with very much with the little lace
1: collar edition <laughs> yes too. Oh she was gosh. rocking it i loved that uh, that styling of it mm-hmm. uh, yeah so you would, cute if you'd like to check out our those crazy victorians merchandise for the podcast uh as well as, well as our ghouls Night in merch you can check that out over on midgemonster.com slash shop heck yes uh, if you would like to follow along with the pod
0: uh, you can follow us on instagram at ghouls Night in pod and if you want to see me you can find me across the internet at penny snark and you can find me
1: all over the web at midge and until next time Goodbye.